Life is meant to be lived on purpose and in motion, being well and doing good. Welcome to another episode of the Life in Motion podcast with your host, Bill Huffine. Hey everyone, this is Bill. Thank you so much for joining me on this, the very first episode of the Life in Motion podcast. My goal here is to bring you some of the most interesting, inspiring people that I know who have stories that I'm certain will help you to discover your own story, the one that only you can tell and the one that can change the world around you like no other story can. I'm happy to have with me today Andrew Hamilton from Baltimore, Maryland. Now, I know Andrew because we are both owners of a fleet of vehicles that we rent out on a peer-to-peer car sharing platform called Turo. We met in a Facebook group, and when Andrew heard that I was looking for guests to join me on the podcast, he raised his hand and he said, Bill, I have a story to tell. And indeed he does. Andrew is a recently married father of two who has personally gone through one of the most difficult seasons of life that a person can endure, and now has a passion for helping others to see life on the other side of despair. I know many of you are going to resonate with his story, and I'm confident that you're going to find strength and encouragement as he invites us into it today. So, Andrew, I really appreciate you being here with me today. I know that you've got a story that uh, so many people in the world need to hear because you know, so many people go through things just like you've gone through in your life where you think everything is just going fantastic. You've got the life you want. You've, you know, life is turning out exactly like you wanted it to. And then one day, boom, it all just falls apart. So um, I know there are a lot of people out there who are probably still in that very, very dark night of the soul. Um, and I'm hoping that this interview will help them see what's on the other side of that by um, hearing about your story. So thanks so much for being here, Andrew. Without a doubt, without a doubt. I'm excited to be here. Um, when you told me about what you were putting together, I, I think it's a great idea. I love it. Um, you know, there's too many people out there that are, we, when we're going through this storm, when we're going through a, a very challenging time in our life, that we somehow think we're the only ones. And no one's, no one's had it like we had it, or no one's can, can understand what we're going through. Yeah. But the truth is, you know, there, there's many, many other people throughout history and throughout time who have had similar types of circumstances. And the more we can share with one another, the more we can, you know, get the word out that, that, that they, the better things are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the underlying theme of this whole conversation is um, there is life on the other side of the darkness. And um, your story is is evidence of that. So uh, every story has a beginning. So why don't we start at the beginning of yours? And if you would just, um, you know, take a few moments and set the stage for us by telling us about that season in your young life when it felt like everything had fallen perfectly into place for you. Oh uh, yeah, great, great. Um, I was I was pretty smart in school. Um, I did very well in high school. I ended up being a salutatorian in a smaller private school, nothing like a with thousands of students and so forth. But um, I really had good. Um, I, I built relationships with my teachers. My teachers liked me. I did well in school. I played sports. 
uh, you know, uh, mainly basketball, soccer. Um, and I took that into college. I went off to a smaller college that my brothers, both my older brothers had gone to. And they had a reputation, they were a good reputation at school. And so I immediately was well-liked by my professors and teachers. And, you know, within my first two years of school, I started to kind of make some waves at school as um, positive things. I, I won some awards for public speaking. I won a couple of trips. I was offered a, you know, dormitory supervisor, which, you know, I, maybe doesn't have the best rap as far as that goes, but it had some great perks where I didn't have to pay for, uh, you know, uh, lodging and so forth. And I was looked to as in leadership as far as um, my school. I ended up graduating with who's who honors with a, a very good, um, you know, GPA and so forth. And then um, I started to um, work on my master's degree. So in, in my realm of my little world, um, you know, I really came out of high school and college with, um, a very positive, excited view of the world. And in a sense, uh, looking back on a little bit too much of my own ego, like I felt I was a little better than maybe I, my maturity or discipline wise um, would have led to belief. So um, that led, uh, I, I met my wife um, in between the, the summer of when I graduated with my degree and starting my master's degree. And at that time, um, uh, you know, this is a, a little ways back to where, you know, once I was finished with school, like I was ready to settle down. And um, I had dated um, several different, you know, good girls. And I, I, I met my wife and, and, and I just pers I had I finished with my degree and I was ready to go. I was ready to go on and move into the world and make my impact on the world. And, and um, so I pursued her pretty hard and uh, she took the bait. Uh, we were married about 18 months later, um, and then I, uh, six months later, I graduated my master's. She graduated with her bachelor's, and we moved off to uh, her home city of Baltimore um, and uh, started our next stage of life. Wow. So, you know, at that point in your life, did, you know, did you have a picture of what you know, I assume that you were in your 20s, mid 20s about this time. Did you have a picture or a vision of what you thought the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years of your life was going to be like? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, our generation, when I say ours, myself and yours, um, kind of oftentimes we will criticize the millennial generation as being too optimistic, too to, you know, to take on the world, they're going to change the world all in. Um, but looking back, that I can relate to that. That's the way that I was. I, I consider myself a very positive person. I think I have good energy. And at that stage of my life, I was ready to get out of school and immediately make a big impact. I, I, I had ideas and plans of what I wanted to do and, and the impact that I wanted to make and the people that I wanted to reach and, and minister to and, and so forth. And when I ended up in the real world, things went a lot slower than I thought and that I hoped. And it, was, it wasn't that I wasn't making an impact because I found later on, several years later on around the road, so many people that reached out to me saying, you know, when you first came here, you know, this, the things that you did really changed our lives. 
But at the time, I couldn't see it. I was focused on, you know, all these big plans and big things and, and big numbers of people and, and these large scale goals, scale goals that I had in my mind that I needed to do, wanted to do. And the real results were slowly and methodically. And I sometimes missed the individuals that I was making, making a difference in. And, um, um, you know, that kind of um, had an impact on, you know, my um, mental uh, ability and also my marriage and, and some of the other early parts of, of my life. Yeah. So what exactly what kind of work were you doing during that period of, of time after you got out of college? So I worked in, um, um, I went to a ministry school. I, I got my degree in, um, in, in, in ministry and so forth. And my goal was, I never had any desire to be a, a um, senior pastor. Um, I wanted to, to be a, an associate pastor. I wanted to work in, in missions or some type of capacity. I honestly didn't really have a specific area. I wanted God to kind of move me where he wanted to move me. And I was open to do whatever he wanted me to do, as long as it made a big impact is the way that I looked at things. And so um, I moved to Baltimore, Maryland. I, I worked at a pretty large church. The church averages probably around at the time around 2000 people. And then while I was there, it grew to around 2,500, I would say, um, had about a 1600 seat auditorium. So it was a very large church. I wouldn't call it a mega church. Um, nowadays, mega churches are probably a little bit bigger than that. But for the, for the time, which was about 15, 10, 15 years ago, 12, 15 years ago, um, it was a large church. Yeah. And so um, my goal was to be one of the main guys and and uh, make an impact in, in a big way. You know, my thought at the time when I moved to the church, I think the church was averaging around 1,300. My thought was, well, if they could do that with this, by me being a part, I could add 1,000 people to the church and, and I could do this and I could do that because of my accolades and so forth from from my uh, from school and, and, and the, the, the reputation that I had and so forth. So... Uh, those were kind of my ideas and my plans and um, things don't always go the way that you plan. <laughs> that is for sure. Absolutely. So, it, you know, I have a lot of similarities here. Um, when you think about, and you've used this word a lot, impact, impact, impact. And I know as a young man um, and even now at the ripe old age of 52 that I am, you know, <laughs> I look way down the road and I want to be able to see, the impact that I that I had on the world and I have pictures in my mind of what that looks like so you know if if you would take just a minute and define impact if you at that age in your mid-20s late 20s um, if you were to pause and look 50 years down the road as an old man reflecting back on your life what is the impact that you were hoping to to leave behind is your legacy? I would say that as far as making an impact, um, my, my outlook on life has changed. You know, as a young, hungry 20-year-old, my impact was all based on, you know, the hundreds and thousands of people that I was going to reach and minister to. Um, and I was going to make an impact. Over time, I realized some of the most important impacts is the individuals. And, you know, I think of my two kids. 
And the, the, the greatest impact that I can make is um, on my kids because they have their whole life ahead of them. And if I can make an impact in an individual, um, they can make an impact in other individuals and it grows organically like that. So um, impact, it's, it's an interesting word, but you know, we, we, we many times get caught up in looking at the visual, the numbers, the hundreds and thousands, or, but sometimes the greatest impact is on individuals who then go on to make a bigger impact. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I, you know, my definition of impact has certainly changed over the years. And, um, you know, I've come to a point in my life where um, when I think about the mark that I want to leave on the world. I think about people who, um, who were in a place of being lost in their life, um, l- lost sight of who they were and why they were here or why they are here, and then helping them regain that understanding of, of exactly who they were created to be and what kind of mark they were meant to leave on the world in a way that only they can leave. There's never been another human being in human history like them, and there never will be again. Therefore, the mark that we leave on the world is unique to us, and nobody else can leave that mark. And uh, it's it's huge. It's huge. So many people get get comfortable in just the status quo of where they're at and the security that comes with it, and you know this little thing that they've always done. Um, and a lot of times there's something bigger, there's something greater, there's a, a bigger purpose for them, you know, uh, and, and, and I think as technology has changed, is changing, that um, there's more open opportunities for people really to take that leap of, of faith and that leap of risk to really do what they were always created to do. And, um, you know, as, as social media, as there, there's so many people who have specific gifts and talents and, um, you know, they, they've never gone after it. And uh, it, I think it's huge what you do and what you're doing. Yeah. So here you were in your um, mid 20s. Everything had fallen into place. You had the you had the wife, you had the children, you had the ministry, you had the job, you had the income, you had a pretty comfortable happy life. And it seemed like everything had fallen in place for you. Um, You knew what you were going to do in this world. And then boom, one day everything changes. And like so many of our stories, um, there is a, a setting of the sun for a while. There is a, a a shift from the, the warmth and the beauty of summer into the bitter cold winter of life that, that so many of us go through. And, and you were about to go through that very dark, cold, and, and lonely season. And that's, uh, that's where I want to take this story next. We're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to jump right into that, uh, that next part of your story. Excellent. Thank you, Bill. We are the product of our experiences, not our possessions. Change your experiences, and you change your life. And at Seasons Land and Sea, we believe that travel is one of the most life-changing experiences a person can have. Whether it's a cruise, a resort, a land vacation nearby, or across the ocean, our goal is to always help you plan the perfect vacation at the lowest price. Call us today at 248-524-0367 or 
Find us at SeasonsTravelPort.com. So, Andrew, just when you think everything is um, going exactly the way you want it, suddenly it's not. And uh, so I'm, I'm wondering, as you think back at that season of your life where things began to change, um, were, there, were there any contributing factors inside yourself that you can point to that, that may have triggered the events that we're about to talk about? Yeah, yeah. Looking back, it's a whole lot clearer than it was at the time. Um, I remember coming out of school and once again being like kind of like the big man on campus type of a personality. And, um, you know, that, you know, my wife had looked up to and everybody had looked up to that. And then our first year of marriage, there was some struggles. There was some, you know, um, kind of respect issues in the sense that all of a sudden she's living with me and realizing I'm just a normal guy. I'm not anything special. And, um, there was some, there was a little bit of fighting. There was some friction. We also had some, um, uh, physical intimacy issues that was a very frustration to both of us. And, um, you know, in the culture that I grew up in, it was kind of something you kind of kept to yourself. You didn't really talk to other people. It was kind of more of an embarrassing thing. And we never, you know, went to others to try to, or even doctors to try to figure out what the problem was. And we just kind of like, um, kind of ignored it and eventually just assumed that's the way things were going to be. Mm. Um, and that was our, our first year of, of marriage. Um, year number two, three, four, um, we're all fairly, things kind of got better. Um, you know, we were working together. We got to travel quite a bit. We got to visit some other countries. We, um, you know, were involved in, 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 in great groups of people and so forth. And, and on the outside, things looked great. I mean, things were, on the inside, I was struggling. Um, I remember um, year number two, going out of college, where um, I be- have, began to having some, uh, just, you know, not having energy. I began really, like, not wanting to go to work. Uh, when I would get to work, I was struggling and focusing and doing um, my job. Um, and, and, and the, the things that I was supposed to do, I, I, I just um, had a lack of energy. I was uh, frustrated. Um, and for me, that was way out of character for me. I'm generally a very optimistic, positive person, high energy. Um, and I, I was, it was a really an odd feeling for me. Um, it was about a five to six month period of time. And then it slowly kind of faded away. And I was like, well, okay, well, that's things started to get back to normal. Um, I remember um, um, about six months later, those same feelings started coming back. I would lose energy. I was, um, you know, very lack of motivation at work. I was um, uh, throughout the week. It was just, it was really, um, and it was a heavier uh, situation than it was the year before. And um, again, it was a very odd because people on the outside looked at me and my wife and, you know, what we were doing and, and everything looked perfect. On the inside, I was, I was struggling and it, it got dark where I was, you know, considering, you know, having suicidal thoughts and, and, and different things that, that I had never dreamed of wow. even considering. 
Yeah. Um, so I made it through that year number two, number two of, of that season. And again, it faded away. Six months later, it, it came back. And I remember like that cloud rolling back in thinking, this, I can't do this again. I can't go through this again. Um, I've got to find some help. Um, at the time, I was, uh, I've always been more of a, like, I don't like going to the doctors. I don't like taking medication. Like, I'm, I'm more of a, you know, uh, like, fake it till you make it kind of a person. Yeah. And uh, I remember for the first time, you know, really, like, asking God, like, I, I need some help with this. I don't know what to do. And I remember um, setting up an appointment and finding a, a, a therapist and meeting with a therapist for the first time, which, you know, a few years back, I would have said, you know, I would have kind of made fun of somebody who, who, who needed that type of a, of, a, of a therapist. And now I'm the one who needed that. Mm. I remember meeting with him week, uh, a couple times a week and, and he really uh, helping me understand that, that, um, you know, this is a, it's a chemical thing. And I ended up getting diagnosed with uh, SAD, which is a seasonal affective disorder. Mm. Um, in my case, it was RSAD, which is a very, rare um, form of, of the um, seasonal affective disorder in the sense that most people, when, when they don't get enough light, when they don't get enough, um, um, it happens a lot in, in different, like Alaska and different areas where there's not enough sunlight, where people really get, you know, discouraged, depressed um, when they don't have enough sunlight. For me, it was kind of the opposite to where um, the more sunlight, I would, I would, I would get this, this season, of, of um, depression that would kind of roll in every time in the springtime. As soon as time change would happen and there was more light, that's when I would start losing oh, wow. energy and, and getting discouraged. And, and I mean, I, I, through the help of a, of a good therapist and, you know, doing some online research of my own, um, I was able to find a kind of a small segment of the SAD community that um, it actually works in reverse. It's called RSAD. And, and um, it's just the opposite of a, of a normal person. And so every time the spring would come in, uh, as soon as time change would change and the light would come out, I would start losing energy, losing motivation, and start this downward cycle of discouragement and even depression. Interesting. And um, so that was year three. I ended up getting, um, um, again, I, I was not a person who wanted medication at all, but I got to the point where he felt like I, I should try medication. And I just asked God that he said, look, he said, there's lots of several different medications out there. Um, you don't know what's going to have an effect. You could try one and it may last. You, you got to try it for about two or three weeks and see if it makes things better or worse, but mm -hmm. you really don't know how it's going to affect you. So he said, we, you know, he put me in touch with a good doctor and we kind of and I just asked God to like, like if this is the right outlet, like I pray that this would be the, the first one. And fortunately for me, the medication that was given to me um, over that first couple of weeks, it was immediately that it was the right type of medication for what I needed. And it really helped me in that um, year three. Um, year four, um, as it would, it would fade away, and then six months later would come back going into the spring season, um, I understood the, the, the ups and down of it. It's a slow, it's, it's a gradual descent to that, that, that depression. I understood the, the, the signals earlier and I was able to 
start taking the medication a little bit uh, early into that. And, um, and then uh, coming out of that, um, that, that year four of that is when my, my wife um, got pregnant with my firstborn son. And I remember, um, you know, uh, that, that moment of holding my firstborn son in my hands and, and realizing, you know, a suicide was no longer an option. Like there was no, um, there was th- those type of thoughts. Like, you know, once you hold your, your child in your hand, it, it was a, a changing moment for me. And, um, you know, thankfully, um, you know, from that moment on, I've never had those type of seasonal things. And I don't know if it was just, you know, a period of time in my life or, um, um, you know, it, it, looking back to me, it was preparation, what was go- which was going to happen uh, about nine years later. So um, yeah. that's kind of where things are at. Yeah. So, you know, this, this struggle that you were going through internally, um, that was really kind of invisible to everybody else except you. And I'm sure it was not invisible to your wife and your children, those closest to you. And it, and it and had a deteriorating effect on that whole dynamic. And, and I know that the, the actual collapse of your life was kind of a blindside, but it, you know, it sounds like there was um, just this growing thing inside of you that was just gradually and slowly eating away at the dynamics of that relationship. So um, if we could, let's fast forward to um, that very uh, critical turning point in your life that involved a trip to Las Vegas. Yeah, excellent. Um, so fast forward going about three to four years ahead of time now, um, you know, my life had changed a little bit. My wife, we, we had two children at the time. Um, I had my firstborn son and then my daughter two years later. Um, um, she, we decided that we wanted her to stay home with the kids. And, and so I was here working once again at a, at a church, a nonprofit, you know, with a pretty moderate salary in a very expensive part of the country. I live in uh, the Baltimore, D.C. area, which is a pricey area. Uh, there's a ton of, of, of corporate uh, of, of jobs that are, uh, you know, a lot of government jobs and a lot of, uh, the, 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 it's a very expensive part of the country. And so, you know, for us to be living on one income and now having one child, two child, um, things began to get tight. Um, I started having to lean on my credit cards where I was racking up debt and, um, you know, to, to, to buying strollers and, and you know, uh, um, all the diapers and all the things. And, and now we went from two incomes to one income. Yeah. And um, it, was, it was beginning, the financials were, were, were beginning to become a little bit stressful. And I, I had approached my boss and my pastor at the time and said, you know, explain to him my situation. And um, I, at the time, my, my brother was working for a really good company that was um, starting to grow in my area. And uh, he said, look, um, I can get you a job starting tomorrow. And it's a good company. It's a growing company. And, um, you know, you might want to think about this. And so I went to my pastor, my boss, and I, I explained to him that I had an opportunity where I could, um, you know, really, you know, help myself out, my family financially, but I didn't want to lose the, the, the ministry that I had at the church. And what we had talked about doing is um, transitioning to working in the secular 
uh, about 36 to 40 hours a week. Um, and then I would work 20 hours at the church and I would get to keep the duties that, that I really enjoyed doing and the people that I liked ministering to. At that time, it was working with a lot of the younger couples in the church. I had about 40 to 50 uh, couples that I worked with, especially on the weekends and activities and, and small groups and so forth. And we had a great dynamic. We had a great group of people, core group of people. And it was something that really couldn't be replaced by someone else at the church. And so it was a good balance. It was an opportunity for me to make um, some, you know, much better money. Sure. And I still had all the ministry and so forth that I, the, the parts of the of ministry that I really enjoyed doing. Um, and so uh, we took the leap and um, I was working full time and then I was part time at the church and um, it was a sales position and it turned out, I mean, I, I was pretty good at it. Um, quick, within the first year of being at the company, I, I went from just a regular salesperson to becoming in the top two sales reps on the entire East Coast. Wow. And so it was, it was an odd phenomenon for me because it, I started to get the accolades that I hadn't had since college. Yeah. And college where people were looking up to me, coming to me for advice and, hey, what are you doing? How do you do this? What's your pitch? You know, how do you overcome objections and, um, you know, call outs on the, the, the you know, the, uh, the, Zoom, the at the time it wasn't Zoom, but the video calls and so forth. Hey, you know, what, what are you doing differently and so forth? And um, it, it, it felt good. It felt good. It was exciting. I, I was making, you know, immediately I was, I was within months and that, that first six to eight to 12 months, I was making triple what I was making at the. Wow. at the church and the nonprofit. And so, you know, that was beneficial for me as a family. Um, along with that became started, I started getting promotions. Um, I was given a, a promotion into a, uh, a senior consultant role. And then from there into a management position from there into a training manager where I was doing constant interviews, trying to find the right type of type of people and then training them and then getting them in the field um, the industry that I was in, it was a clean energy industry. It was in the, the solar boom um, where solar companies were, were just kind of popping up all over. And we were the big dog in the industry. We were, um, it was the biggest solar country. Within those first two, three years that I was with the company, the company uh, quickly grew. It was, it was a, it was a, it was, the company went public and it was a mass um, grab for market share. Uh, the federal incentives were out there. Um, it was a, a, it was a pot. Everybody liked the idea of clean energy. And if you could get clean energy cheaper than you could buy from the utility companies, it was a, uh, um, it was something that was growing very quickly. And our company was in massive growth mode. The, the, the view that they had was uh, the more market share that they could get, um, quickly, the better things were. And we grew to becoming the, the largest solar company in the country. And at the time, we had, if you added the next 9, 10, 12 uh, companies, we, our individual market share was larger than all of them combined. Wow. And so we were the big dog in, a, in an industry that was on fire. Yeah. Um, so still, I don't know all if, you know, much of that was on me. It was more of my skill set worked well with a, a a company that was kind of taking off. So it was kind of the perfect location and all of that. 
Um, and but there was a lot of accolades that come with it. When I, when I got to the management position, I was given the you know the company car, the gas card, the you know six figures salary, um, you know the, the 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 corporate trips and and combinations and. Um, 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 so leading up to, to that moment, and um, I remember it very clearly, this is, uh, we had just, the company had just organized the trip to, a trip to Vegas. It was a yearly kickoff, annual kickoff, and it was um, the, kind of the highlight of the year. They would fly all the managers out there. They would do a big shindig, and, and uh, um, money was coming in, and it was a huge deal. So we had um, definitely the, my work toll I had at the time, a territory of Maryland, Delaware. Um, I was traveling a lot. I worked a lot of hours. And um, it had taken a toll on our relationship. And I knew it, but I kind of had pushed it off. For many years, we had worked very close together. And um, I felt like, you know, she, the, her complaints and so forth were more of the fact that, you know, we don't see each other every day working together like we used to. And I really didn't think it was that big of a deal. So I had planned, but I, I planned a, um, this Vegas trip. I planned to surprise her for our nine-year anniversary. I felt like this would be a good time. We could get away. The company was going to pay for me to fly out there. All I had to do was buy her a ticket. They were going to already put me in a nice hotel and all that. So uh, I was going to go home and surprise her. I had bought the tickets. I, I had um, added on the whole weekend afterwards at a, a nice place. We were going to rent a car, drive out to the Grand Canyon, which she had never seen and had told me she had wanted to go to before. And I was excited about it. I, I remember going home. I bought the tickets. I went home to tell her. And when I told her about the trip, um, her face and her emotions didn't add up to what I thought she would. She kind of listened and she just kind of looked down and I, I remember thinking that's weird this is I mean, this is our nine year anniversary I mean this is I mean aren't you excited about this and she she kind of shook her head and she said um yeah there's there's some things that we need to talk about and it was probably like uh, it was late 11 o'clock at night and I remember the way that she said that sentence my stomach kind of tightened up and I could feel like this isn't about work and time. There's something deeper here. And I said, well, what, what do you mean? I mean, what's, what's going on? Like, talk to me. And she's like, yeah. She's like, um, um, she said, I'm, I'm writing you a letter and, um, I'm not finished with it, but maybe I can give you that letter on the trip and we can talk about things. And the trip was about a week away. And I'm thinking, like, I don't want to wait a week. Tell me what's going on. And yeah. and then she just kind of turned over to her side and kind of like went to sleep. And I, I couldn't sleep. Like I'm like looking around. I'm, I waited for her to fall asleep. And the first thing I did was, was get up and take her phone and start going through her phone and see if she was seeing somebody or what was going on. And uh, I don't think I slept the whole night. Um, that was the, probably the longest week of my life. Um, I had kind of prodded her a couple of their times, but she, she wanted to wait to, to talk about things. So for some reason on our flight out to Vegas, um, she gave me the letter and I'm on the plane to our nine year anniversary trip. And I'm reading a letter of basically a four page letter that in short 
she had expressed that over the last six months to a year that she had come to the conclusion that, you know, she married me for the wrong reasons that, um, you know, she, she knew that I cared about her, that I loved her, but that she had never really loved me like I loved her and she didn't feel like she ever would. Yeah. And, um, she, it was tough. It's sure. tough. Yeah. That is a real, uh, a real, uh, sucker punch there. And, um, it seems like it was much more of a blindside than a gradual decay because, you know, even though you're aware of the things going inside of you with the struggles with the seasonal affective disorder and all of that, this really kind of came out of nowhere and just floored you when you thought you were going to, you know, celebrate a beautiful uh, anniversary together. And, and um, then you're hit with this reality. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, I hadn't had, the depression for about four years. Uh, we had two children. Uh, my son was probably, um, my son was probably two and a half, three. My daughter was just born Mm -hmm. and I was confused. I was a little bit angry. Like my thoughts were, you know, if this is the way that you felt, why would you have children with me? You know, why would you, um, you know, those were some of the questions that I had. Um, it was a confusing time. It was a tough time. And it was the, the, those next five days were a blur. It was, um, yeah. I, I remember waking up one day and we would have, you know, it was mostly me asking her question after question after question and her, you know, um, responding honestly and, 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 but not the answers I, I want to hear. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I know that, you know, the story progresses from there and um, you end up uh, eventually going through a divorce and everything that you'd worked so hard for is just gone, you know, in an instance, you've lost your ministry position, you, you've lost your, you eventually ended up losing your, your source of income with the company that you were with and your, your wife and your children. And um, wow, what a, uh, what a painful um turn of events. What a, what a painful direction for your life to go. But uh, thankfully your story didn't end there. And yeah, uh, it was, yeah, go yeah, ahead. It was, it was, a, it was definitely a, a spiral down. That was the, the catalyst um, over those next six months. Um, you know, um, that month before I had one of the top teams in the entire country, as far as a company and I was living the high life. I mean, yeah. money wasn't a, a problem anymore. Um, and, um, when I came back from that trip, my focus immediately and rightfully so shifted to trying to protect my family, my home, trying to get the counseling, trying to do all the Mm -hmm. steps and the more energy that I focused on that, my production at work dropped. Um, the company was getting, was acquired by, uh, Tesla and it became, um, Tesla's energy department, energy division. And the company began to tightening the belt, the spending, everything was being shifted down as my production was dropping. My mind was not with the work. And um, even out of the blue, I, you know, I should have seen that coming, but I had a new director that came in and um, he hired a couple guys from his old company. He asked me to personally train his right hand man and literally 
just a few months after that, um, he let me go. Mm. And so I went from within six months, the, the, the top of the world to yeah. literally the, the, the bottom of the, of the, the, the stairwell there. And, um, I lost um, my wife. I lost my family as I knew it. I lost my, my, the, the dream job. I lost, um, you know, my ministry as soon as uh, we had tried to keep things together for a little while. And, but as soon as she ended up moving out on her own, then I, I felt the responsibility to resign my position at the church. So yeah. I kind of lost it all at the same time. And, um, it, it was a struggle, uh, about a year later, um, I got the official a year of separation. I got the official divorce letter in the mail, and um, it, it was it was a dark, dark year. Um, fortunately for me, I really genuinely believe that being able to, those four years earlier of the seasonal affective disorder, dealing with the depression, um, understanding the importance of like exercise, eating right. And, and, and knowing your, where your mentality, mentality is at and where you are on that scale really prevented me from going to those dark places again. Mm-hmm. And it was preparation for me for, for that moment. But it didn't make the process any easier as far as emotionally. Yeah. Um, emotionally, it was, it was draining. It was discouraging. Your mind plays tricks on you. It was, um, you know, you you wake up in the middle of the night with anxiety attacks of, you know, is she with somebody who's all those things. And, 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 and I'm not, I'm not the only person who's gone through that. There's so many people out there have had, um, you know, that happen. I mean, some of the statistics that I've read that uh, as far as in the West, um, you know, in the North America, about 81% of divorces are of the wife asking to leave and wanting the divorce. And so, there's a lot of other people out there that have gone through that, but when you're in that dark cloud, it, it doesn't make things any easier. And, right. and um, you know, you really don't see a way out of it. It's like you are, it's a cloud that surrounds you and um, you can't see what the next step holds, the next, the, the, the future holds. So right. it's a tough, it's a tough place. Yeah. And I, you know, I've had to remind myself numerous times over the years that um there is always a sunrise after the darkness. And uh, that's, that's true with your story as well. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to wrap this up by uh, talking about the, uh, the sunrise in this new season of your life and where you are today. Okay. We will be right back. So a story like this would be a a pretty dreadful story if it ended right there. Um, But thankfully, your story has continued. Um, The seasons have changed in your life, and you are no longer in that uh, that terrible, dark, cold season of life that that we just finished talking about. So if you would, tell us a few minutes, uh, take a few minutes and tell us where you are today. What's going on in your life right now? Yeah. So, um, like, like we, we, we mentioned, you know, when you're in that cloud, you really can't see farther ahead than just the next step, uh, the next day. Um, I, I knew that, um, as it became very clear that this things were not going to get better, we were going to go, it was going to go through the divorce. I knew that, 
you know, eventually things would turn around. Um, I had been on the, you know, ups and downs of depression before, and um, I, I felt clearly that, you know, I had did what I, what I could do, and if it was going to happen, it was going to happen, and, you know, I would recover. It, it, things would work out, and um, I didn't realize how quickly things could turn around, to be honest with you. Um, you know, once the papers were, were signed, um, you know, within days, uh, weeks, um, I immediately felt a, a, a burden off of my shoulder of as far as, you know, I, I had felt I had done everything that I could to keep my family together and it was out of my control. And um, I felt relieved. I felt like, you know, this, things were, were over and, 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 and I could move on with my life. Um, and so the, the next few months were a, um, odd, you know, trying, you know, once your things are finished and trying to start dating again is odd. I mean, you, you know, things have changed so much. I hadn't dated in, you know, 12 years and, yeah. um, you know, there was no, there, there was no apps back then. There was no online dating. It was, it was just such an extreme how, how things change in 10 years as far as that type of thing. So, um, uh, you know, I was, I was working, uh, um, I had gotten a new job. I was learning a new industry and, um, things were picking up, you know, my, my, I, I was good in sales and that kind of helped me kind of get a, a new burst of, 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 of excitement and energy and so forth. And, um, so I, I started dating again and, and, and I didn't have the time to go out and try to meet people and line people up. So, I did the online dating thing and um, I, I kind of liked it. It was, it was good. I mean, you can meet and get to know somebody, you know, uh, well before you meet them in person. And um, I'm, I started chatting with my wife, um, Ellie. She um, also had um, been married and, and divorced. Um, not the same situation as me, but, but similar type of a, of a situation. And um, uh I, I really was blessed to, I only went on about three different dates, three different people. And before I met my, my, my wife, uh, Ellie, and she, um, is a very special person, a very unique person. And, um, um, I knew right away that I'm not going to say that I knew I was going to marry her, but I knew right away that, there's something special about this person and I need to be careful not to mess this up. <laughs> and um, that, that, that's all I could say. And if there's one thing that men are good at, it's usually messing things up really bad. <laughs> without a doubt, without a doubt. So um, I began very carefully, you know, I had told myself I, I didn't want my kids to meet people that I was dating until you know, like I knew we were going to in that process of getting engaged. And I think there's a lot of dangers of that, of constantly introducing your kids to different people that, you know, you're dating um, and it can kind of confuse them. And, and, and so we took things, you know, slowly, but gradually she lived about an hour and 15 minutes from me. And so, you know, I would drive down there, you know, started out once every other week. And then it became every, every once a week. And uh, we progressed our relationship um, quickly, but slowly and de deliberately. And at the same time, um, you know, my new work, I was doing well with that. Um, 
and uh, financially my income had, had come back. Um, you know, I still, anyone who's been through a divorce knows there, you take a financial hit and uh, there, there's no way around it. No matter how clean, how you know, amicable you, you try to, to separate and divorce, um, you know, it, it, it wreaks havoc on you emotionally, but also financially. And um, um, so I had met a, a great person. Um, as far as my, my, my financial situation, I was kind of clawing my way back up. Um, uh, that doesn't come back quickly. Yeah. But um, I remember um, I got a, a notice that um, in the um, – that's – about two and a half years ago, I had put a reservation in for a, a Tesla Model 3. And at the time, you know, I had kind of an inside connection to the company. And um, I was able to actually put a deposit down before anyone else even knew what the car looked like, what it was going to be. At the time, it was supposed to be a, uh, a $35,000 Tesla. And, man, that sounds awesome. And um, um, I'm a car guy, uh, naturally. I've loved cars my whole life. And, um, so that was, that was, that was cool. I was like, I, I've only bought one new car in my life up to that point. It was a uh, Mazda three for about $17,000. So but at that time I was making good money. I, I wanted a Tesla. That's what I was going to do. And when they said they were going to come out with a cheaper version, it was like, great, take my money. And so I was one of the first early adopters, the first uh, reservation holders. And I, I kind of had forgotten all about it with all the rest of my life and drama and situation. And it was about two months after my divorce where I'd gotten noticed that I could actually order and build my car. And, um, you know, at the time, it really wasn't the best financial decision. It was, um, you know, um, the, the, the difference was that the first cars they were selling had to be the fully specced out cars, which would be around $55,000 is what they were willing to sell. So I was like, I really didn't have a, a, the, the, the money to do it. But I was like, you know, when you've gone through what I went through, it was like, mm. hey, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, I go through <laughs> bankruptcy. I mean, I lost everything right. else. Like, you know, I, I, I lost that fear of, you know, that, that, that people have. So I ended up putting the reservation in on the car. I built the car. And uh, I ended up having one of the first Model 3s on the East Coast, which was pretty cool. Um, so my master plan was, since I was buying a car that was going to be about $15,000 more than maybe $20,000 at the time than I really could afford, I, I figured I'd throw it on this app called Toro. And uh, I thought it was a great idea. I had rented the cars before when I had gone on a vacation. And you know, you get to pick out the exact car you want. I mean, for mm -hmm. a little bit more than you're going to spend at, you know, one of the rental car companies where you never know what you're going to get. And it really makes a vacation so much better. I mean, we got a unique car. Um, I loved it. I had rented a, a, a Tesla, um, you know, Model S before. I'd rented a BMW M2 when I went to visit Chicago. And um, I thought it was a great idea. Um, and I was a user. I said, you know what, I'll put my Tesla on Turo and, you know, maybe it'll pay rent out a couple days of the month and it'll pay for some of the, my payment. Um, and a little bit, I know uh, it, it, it didn't rent out a couple days of the month. It was running out every single week. Um, at the time I got the car, there was 400,000 reservations. Um, and it became pretty well known that if there was no place to test drive the car, 
There was no place to physically even look at the car. And it became pretty well known. If you want to look at a Model 3, if you want to look at a, uh, um, a Tesla, you got to go to Toro. And so my bookings just started coming in every week. Uh, my payments on the car were around 900 bucks. And I was bringing in around $1,200 to $1,300 monthly. Um, so uh, that was kind of exciting to me. And so me being in the um, finance industry, and, and I was like, well, look, before this car shows up on my credit, I went out and bought two more cars. Wow. So um, wasn't the best, um, you know, maybe from a, uh, a risk standpoint, but I ended up buying a, um, a, a gorgeous a Camaro, a lime green Camaro. I bought a, a truck that was about $45,000 truck with a, um, you know, it was a ZR2. And um, I said, you know what, I mean, let's just take a shot at this thing. <laughs> and so it was a kind of a fun little thing that kicked off and, and um, it was great. I mean, they were, the, the income that was coming in was paying off all of the, the, the cars and then some extra. And um, I would wake up in the morning and, um, you know, whichever car wasn't rented, I drove a nice truck to work. I drove the Tesla to work. I drove my Camaro to work. And, and um, it, it was a really fun, fun experience. Um, so things turned around very quickly for me. Um, I was surprised myself. Um, I got another promotion at my work and to, to, to make things, uh, to, to make a long story short, um, the position that I'm at now literally is five minutes from my kid's school. Um, I'm making, you know, um, more money than I was making even in my, you know, previous job um and i just recently uh married um one of the most incredible people i've ever met wonderful um in in march and we we got married in lima peru that's where she's from she's been here for 12 years uh, if you've never been to lima it's it's one of the prettiest cities you'll ever visit it's literally on the coast of, uh, of South America and uh, it's gorgeous. It's got the most, one of the most beautiful coasts. Uh, we had a beach wedding, um, you know, her dream wedding. Um, my, I didn't know at the time, but my dream wedding, you know, after you see it all, it was, it was gorgeous. We went from Lima, Peru. My, my kids were able to come down, be a part of the wedding. Um, um, they, they had a blast. They'd never been out of the country before and they, they just, they loved it. I brought them back to the States, uh, and then we flew from um, Baltimore, from Baltimore, D.C. We flew to, uh, to Europe and had our honeymoon in Europe, um, which she had always wanted to go to. She has some family that lives over there. And fortunately for us, um, our wedding happened, you know, if our wedding was a week later than it was or two weeks later than it was, we would have probably had to cancel the wedding because of the COVID situation. Oh yeah. Um, uh, the COVID, our, we our wedding was March, um, you know, the first week of March. And uh, it was, had just kind of started. And but fortunately for us, we were able to do all of our traveling. Um, it wasn't until the end of our honeymoon where things were starting to get a little hairy and they were shutting down airports and so forth. Yeah. And we ended up having a one day delay getting back to the States. And then when I came back, we had a two week quarantine, but other than that, nothing was affected as far as our, our wedding plans. My parents and brother were able to come down to visit and 
no issues with that. So we were very, very blessed um, in that situation. And, um, you know, we got a new house, we moved. Um, everything is really, really going well. Um, I, I have no complaints in the world. In my industry, I still have a job. I'm working full time. So I haven't been uh, laid off other than those two yeah. weeks that I missed and the time I purposely took off for, you know, my wedding and honeymoon. So I'm incredibly blessed. Um, my life and, and, you know, it's been three and a half years since, since the divorce. And um, I would have, could have never dreamed that I would be in this place in that short of time. Yeah. Um, so my encouragement to those out there, you know, is, you know, if you're in that dark place, some of you, you're left, you know, you're, you're unemployed. You don't even know if you're going to have a job. You don't even know if you're going to have a, um, if your company's going to be in business when you get back. And it's, it's tough. I mean, you, when you're living in that cloud, um, you know, it's tough to see what the future holds. Right. But um, so, I mean, that's uh, my encouragement is to, you know, things, no matter how low things get, no matter how dark things get, you know, when the clouds roll away, things can bounce back very quickly. Yeah, and I think it's important for, for all of us to remind ourselves uh, regularly that nothing is permanent. Nothing is permanent. Um, Without a doubt. You know, you're, you're in the best of times. It's wise to remember that nothing is permanent. Yep. And in the very worst of, of times, the very darkest of times is when you really need to remember that nothing is permanent. Um, so it's an amazing story. Life has brought you uh, full circle. You have your career back. You have your financial health back. You have a wonderful marriage and, and you know, your children are, are part of your life. And um, it's just a real encouraging story to a lot of folks out there. And I want to ask you to, um, with one or maybe two sentences, um, tell us the moral of your story. The, the, the one thing that you want people who are listening to this today to walk away with, if you can encapsulate that into just one sentence or two sentences, what would that be? Well, that's, that's tough. That's tough, Bill. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not good at <laughs> keeping things short as you yeah. can, as you've noticed. Um, but if I had to, if I had to put it down to just two sentences, um, one is uh, don't give up. Don't give up. Um, you know whether it's you know your your marriage, um, whether it's your you know whatever situation you're dealing with is is you know for those of you who are in that place where you have those suicidal thoughts, um, you know those that, that discouragement. You know you there is there is no easy way out, but just don't don't give up. Keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting because, you know, when the clouds do roll away and you look back, um, you're going to see things in a whole bit of a different perspective and um, you're, you're, you would miss out on what you're, the real meaning of life is and what, what, what plans that, that, that can happen. So that would be one is don't give up. Um, number two would be, second sentence would be that it goes along with what, what you said is, is that life is full of highs and lows. Yeah. Don't get too high on the highs. Don't get too low on the lows. Um, you know, in, in two to three years, 
things change drastically. And you can go from the bottom to the top very quickly um, if, if you're, you're focused. Uh, one thing I would say is, um, you know, we never grow. We never truly grow ourselves until we have to. Hmm. You know, um, the, 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 the times, those dark times in my life was, were really when I was forced to grow. Yeah. I was forced to, to develop myself. I was forced to focus myself on becoming a better person, a better father, a better husband. Um, you know, um, I was forced to become what, you know, the, the, the natural talent and ability that I had. I was forced to make those gritty, tough decisions and, and, and character-building decisions. And really, looking back, you know, most, most of the times, we, we never grow unless we have to. Yeah. We never really become what we're supposed to be without some really difficult, strenuous, emotionally or physically um, challenges. And um, that's just the nature of who we are. We're, we're selfish beings. We're uh, from, from birth. And until we're forced and put ourselves in uncomfortable situations, we really, it's, it's may, it may be impossible for us to be who we're supposed to be. Yeah. Now that's great advice, Andrew. And, um, you know, I have no doubt that, you know, you're going to go on from here and you're going to have a, an amazing impact on the world around you through your story and how uh, you've come through it. And um, I just appreciate you allowing us to be a part of it. Thank you for that today. I'm, I'm glad to be a part. Um, I'm glad to get, uh, get you know, my, the, my, my story out there, um, you know, whether it's divorce, whether it's depression, whether it's, you know, trying to, you know, keep your kids, uh, you know, divorce is tough for kids. And, um, you know, whether it's trying to be a single dad, you know, I did that for, for three years. It's, it's tough. Yeah. Um, so no matter what, um, I, I want other people to know that there's other people who've gone through. No one's gone through the exact same thing that you have, but there's many, many people who've gone through similar, similar things and not only survived, but, but thrived because of it. Yeah, very good. That is a great thought to, uh, you know, to close the conversation out. So um, thank you, Andrew. Again, I really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity, Bill. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Life in Motion podcast. We hope that your time was well spent, inspiring you to live life on purpose, being well, and doing good. Please be sure to subscribe, like, and share so others can join us on this journey at lifeinmotionpodcast.com.